This is Cultivating Convos with the Ohio Department of Agriculture. And it's fun to have everyone else kind of get a little insight into what we do. Dan, if you could send me a gram of gold. You all laughed at the beginning of this podcast when I turned my fireplace off. Shelby, <laughs> let's wrap this thing up. <laughs> And hi, everyone. Welcome to Cultivating Convos with the Ohio Department of Agriculture. Once again, I am Shelby Croft, the Communications Director here. Along with me, as always, is Megan Harshbarger. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Happy to be here for another week of our awesome podcast. Um, today, we are going to be talking about a program called H2 Ohio. And I guess in one sentence, I'll just say H2 Ohio is Ohio Governor Mike DeWine's initiative to ensure safe and clean water for the entire state. So here to help break that down a little bit um, and give us an overview is H2 Ohio Program Coordinator Clark Hudson joining us today, um, and also Bob George with the Henry County Soil and Water Conservation, Conservation District. That is a mouthful. Thank you both uh, for being here. We appreciate it. Thank you for asking. So Clark, I first want to kick it to you. Um, I guess just give us the overview of H2 Ohio. All right, well, thanks, uh, Megan. Uh, H2 Ohio is, is, as you said, the governor's uh, kind of capstone project for conservation um, statewide. It involves both the, or all three of the Ohio Department of Agriculture, uh, the Ohio Department of Natural Resources, and the uh, Ohio, um, the Ohio Environmental Agency. So um, for the Department of Ag's part of it, we are focusing in Northwest Ohio in the Western Lake Erie Basin. And primarily for this first year, we're working in the Maumee watershed which includes 14 counties in the very far northwest of Ohio. Uh, and we are also concentrating on practices on uh, cropland acres. So that would be acres where corn, soybeans, wheat, forages are grown. Our focus is on uh, better management of nutrients. Uh, H2Ohio, from our perspective, is a phosphorus and nitrogen reduction program. Uh, we get some soil health benefits out of the practices that we are implementing, but primarily our, our goal in the whole reason for H2Ohio is to help combat uh, the phosphorus issues in Lake Erie and uh, the phosphorus and nitrogen issues in, in the Ohio River and the, the Mississippi Basin. So, so our focus in Northwest Ohio obviously is phosphorus. So we are looking at practices that will uh, reduce the export of phosphorus from our crop fields and our farm fields uh, into the waters and lakes of Ohio and eventually into Lake Erie. Uh, those practices can be uh, cultural, those practices can be structural, and uh, but ultimately, the first thing we, we really decided when we sat down, we sat down about a year ago at this time or a little before that, and we we met with soil and water conservation districts. We met with our conservation partners um, from commodity groups and environmental groups and came up with a strategy. Um, we decided that the first thing we really needed to make sure every farmer understood was that, you know, that they had a good nutrient management plan, that they knew what they were, what they had in their soils as far as by soil testing and then what nutrients they would need to add to grow the crop yields that they were anticipating or, or attempting to grow. Um, so we call that a nutrient management plan, and that nutrient management plan uh, takes into account through a soil test of what nutrients you already have in the soil, and then what nutrients you're going to add and from what source. So you, we've heard the last several years, we've talked about the four R's, the right source, right rate, right time, right place. I think Bob will correct me if I'm wrong on those, but essentially figuring out what source that producer wants to use, 
and find the best way for them to get those nutrients uh, in the soil where they're going to stay and not move off to the off the field. All right. Thanks, Clark, for that explanation. We know H2O can be a little complicated, but it is a program that is just it's near and dear to our hearts here at ODA and especially in our office. I mean, we had Megan and I both had such a, a big part and and Clark also we I mean we organized those meetings last February for all of the producers up in Northwest Ohio and the turnout was unreal we did we had no idea what to expect but the producers turned out and it was so obvious how much they want to be part of the solution here so I'm going to throw it over to Bob now because Bob you are the boots on the ground there in the soil and water district you see what the interest is and I know you're constantly telling us how busy you are so just tell us about the situation that you're seeing. And first off, the success I'm gonna talk about is in Henry County alone, we have almost 70% of our crop uh, acres covered on H2 Ohio. And I think that is amazing um, for the Henry County landowners and operators that have bought into this program and are being a part of it. As far as the program itself, it is complicated. It's gotten a little more complicated than we thought it was gonna be but also maybe in a good way. Um, previous programs was a lot, guy would come in, sign up, cover crops. Okay, I'm gonna put in 200 acres of cover crops. We'd tell him what he needed to do, he'd leave, walk out. This is, this is more hands-on, more education between not only us and the operator, between us, the chemical dealer, the elevator, and the operator and landowner. So I think we're, I think in the next year, two years, three years, hopefully, that we can have this program, that um, I think there's gonna be a lot of good education, not only um, for the landowners and operators and also the dealers, but I, I, and that's what we've needed to do, what they're putting on. And, and, I'll, and I just talked to a guy yesterday, he said, well, we don't wanna put on more than we have to. And I, you know, I know that, I understand that, but I think sometimes they don't really know why they're doing it. And I think now it, there is kind of a, we are kind of liaison, I believe, between the dealer and the operator or landowner. And, I, and that's got to be a good thing to actually know what's being put on out there. Um, it's crazy. Like I said, 70% of our acres are in this program. We're getting all kinds of feedback from, from landowners. We're getting a lot of people. I mean, our office is busy with H2Ohio. It's crazy because there's different um, steps you have to take as far as contracts and verification forms. And Clark knows everything I'm talking about right now. But it, it's also good for the district. I mean, we've never had as many landowners and people in this in our office as well as we have with h2 ohio um the different practices is good um it's and, and and like clark said it's it's really there are different practices but the understanding of nutrients and what they're putting out there i think is is going to really it's come a long ways and we've got further to go yet and that's what we're seeing we're seeing a lot of people that come in you know we thought maybe oh when we first started well maybe we can just you know check you know 25 percent of all the acres, you know, make sure that they're following. Well, we're seeing, oh no, we need to almost check every field because they might not be doing this or doing that. And we don't, and as a soil and water district and a representative of ODA, we don't want to pay for something that maybe they shouldn't have got paid for by, by not looking through the fields and their application and what practice they're putting on those fields. That, that's a really important point. And I actually want to go back to something you said early in your comments uh, in talking about how this is more, a more involved program that we're not just having producers put one practice on their field. 
I think I would love for you guys to talk about the fact that, you know, we have seven best management practices here, and it's really about tailoring tailoring those practices to to the farm field that they're being placed on. And, and Clark, why don't you explain a little bit about how they can choose which practices to use? Yeah, sure, certainly, Shelby. Um, obviously, the nutrient management plan, they're going to have that practice on every acre because that's the foundation. Once they've got that, then they'll need to look at their operation, look at their goals, look at their crop rotation, and see where the other practices might fit. Uh, some practices, obviously, can we can be using more than two or three practices on a given field or a given acre. Uh, some practices are, are just by their nature mutually exclusive. Um, we look at a producer that is using commercial fertilizer and is not using any, any manure or livestock waste or any other kind of byproduct. Uh, they're going to be looking at the VRT practice, which is the variable rate practice, which if they're doing soil testing at a small level where they're testing every two acre grid or a six acre zone, and then they're only applying the nutrients that they need on that zone. We have the technology now to adjust fertilizer rates as we drive across the field. It's all done by computer and, and geo-satellite positioning, so they can, they can do that very easily. Uh, another practice is subsurface placement of commercial fertilizer. So they can pay for that they can do that practice if they're doing the subsurface fertilizer placement using vrt meaning that some parts of their field are not getting any phosphorus some are getting a small amount of phosphorus and some are getting maybe a larger amount uh, we can pay them for both of those practices and the benefit we get is that we're seeing a great reduction in the total amount of phosphorus that's going out on that field another practice that uh, practice kind of combo that works really well together is uh, the manure incorporation practice along with our conservation crop rotations and our cover crops. In Northwest Ohio, a lot of the, a lot of the, the fields are in a, currently have been in a two-year rotation, corn and soybeans, and there's not really a good time to put manure on that. They're, they're applying their manure after harvest in October, November, uh, when it's, it's uh, marginal at best to get that manure on and get it worked in and so it doesn't go off the, the site, or at worst, they're applying it in, in December, you know, January, February, maybe on a cover crop, maybe not. Uh, but by using the cro conservation crop rotation, we're reintroducing small grains, wheat, barley, rye, uh, into that crop rotation. They're harvesting that in July. So now they have the best time of year, we believe, those that late summer, July, August, early September timeframe to apply their manure, uh, either inject it directly into the field or incorporate it. So it's much lower risk of that manure and the nutrients in that moving off the field and into our waterways. Uh, tying that in with a cover crop, putting a cover crop on after they've applied their manure, it even provides us with another level of insurance because that cover crop comes up, reduces surface erosion, starts to utilize those nutrients, and holds those nutrients through the winter until they're ready to plant next year as those that cover crop dies and starts to re-release those nutrients back into the field. Now the, the actual crop that we're the target crop is available to start absorbing those nutrients. So so that's kind of the holistic approach that we've taken and is that not any one practice is going to be working every producer's operation. Um, the producer can pick and choose what what practices they want to use, what fits best for them, and they're going to be different on different acres. So they can pick and choose acre by acre, field by field, essentially. Yeah, and I would say, of course, this is new to to everybody, even, you know, us involved in in planning a lot of this. And you know, we've been talking and educating ourselves and planning to participate in H2 Ohio for, you know, over a year now. And I think planting for farmers starts, you know, in the next month or the next couple of weeks. So 
Bob, what's happening now? I mean, what happens next? Where where are we? Well, like I said, we're at the, we're at the verification. We're making sure everybody comes in and we're looking at, okay, what did you sign up for? What have you done last fall? Because there was some practices that we were, we were able to pay for last fall. Um, we're making sure we're getting that information and getting it correct on the fields. And now um, with this verification, like I said, it's more or less, they're telling us, okay, this is what this, we're showing them, this is what you signed up for. Because some of them, I mean, I hate to say it, they don't remember, you know, and it, it like this started a year ago and with everything that's happened, we all know, um, you know, some of them don't remember. Well, gosh, I don't remember doing that or I, I didn't mean to do that. But but we do have some flexibility in the program, which is also good. But like I said, we're making sure that what they're going to do this spring. Yes, I, I'll do that. Yes, um, I remember we'll try and get that fit in. And then after they get done planning season, then they will come back into the office and we'll actually go through all the fields that they did and what they did on those fields. Um, especially with nutrient management, you're talking VRT, placement of, of phosphorus. Uh, those would be the main two things that we're talking about. Well, one of the things that I will say too, and I'm, I don't mean to overstep my bounds here, but but uh, I was not a big believer in the in the nutrient management plan. I mean, I've been with soil and water for a long time. I'm sure my employees say too long, but uh, <laughs> never, Bob, never. <laughs> but. But, you know, I've seen nutrient management plans by uh, another agency, and, you know, and it looks like it's the Encyclopedia Britannica. Um, you know, they're, I, I, I'd hate to, what am I going to do with that? I think a lot of guys may throw it up in the corner and never look at it again. I think ours are more usable, and, and I think that is, that is our education tool. That is our, our subject book that we are using with these guys. And I, and I will say I was not a big believer in, in nutrient management plans. I thought guys wouldn't look at them, but we use them all the time. And uh, this is what they signed up for. And that's what that nutrient management plan is. And they need to follow that nutrient management plan to get their dollars. So, Bob, we're going to roll you out anytime we need to promote a nutrient management plan. <laughs> we're, taking Bob, we're taking Bob on the road with us. <laughs> you wouldn't you would not have wanted to do that a year ago. I, I was I was not a big believer in them, but but now I, I see the use of them, the, the use that they are, that they can be a, a very good tool um, when we're talking to farmers. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know that everyone involved in this program has said, you know, but, it, it's the baseline. It is it is the start for everything that we are doing and building out with H2 Ohio. So, so good to hear you say all of that. Definitely. Uh, Clark, you know, we're talking about just how well all of this is going with H2 Ohio and how much interest we have. And yay, we're talking about expanding it. Myself and our other statewide staff for H2 Ohio kind of have shifted. Our goal, as we said, was to to have this in the entire Western Lake Erie Basin, and ideally, you know, within a year or two, is to be across the whole state with some form of H2 Ohio. So our plan right now is to expand to the remaining 10 counties in the Western Lake Erie Basin. And and if you look at a map of watersheds, and I know a lot of folks, maybe the listeners, have have a concept of what a watershed is. Our watersheds don't follow county boundaries, but our soil and water districts do. So when we launched this program, we decided that we would launch it uh, countywide. So we do have some of our sign up in some of our fringe counties that are going into other watersheds already. But primarily the 14 counties that we currently are in as are the Maumee, the remaining 10 counties, which essentially is the Sandusky River watershed in north central Ohio. Um, we'll be doing all of those counties. So we'll be again, we'll be moving into other watersheds on the, the uh, edges of that as well. But 
we'll have a, hopefully by the end of um, this year, we will have at least nutrient management plans being developed in those next 10 counties. And then ideally, of course, obviously all this is contingent on state funding. This is a state program. It doesn't have federal funding involved in it directly. So uh, as long as we have funding available, our goal would be then to continue to expand uh, across the whole state. Obviously, in Northwest Ohio, the key is phosphorus reduction. As we move into the southern part of Ohio, as I said, in the, the, the uh, Ohio River watersheds, uh, nitrogen is probably more of a concern um, because of the hypoxia zone in, in the Gulf of Mexico. So it's not going to look the same in every watershed or in every county as we go across. We are going to try to tailor this program to fit the actual needs uh, of that that county or that watershed or that district or region. So that's an, that's another interesting part. We kind of get to start over our planning uh, every time we move out to somewhere else. We're trying to learn this as we, we <clears throat> essentially a year and a half ago, this program did not exist. We built it almost from the ground up. We did have some, you know, input from our federal partners and and things they saw that worked and didn't work. Um, but ultimately, we are still, you know, the for, the first 14 counties. Uh, the the bonus, the benefit is they get they get to, to participate sooner than others. The downside is they're kind of like our guinea pigs. So so we're learning every day how to how to implement a program of this uh, scope and size, uh, which again, as you mentioned blew us away last year. We we were hoping for maybe 20%, 10%, hopefully 20% of the watershed. And as Bob mentioned, some counties were at close to 70%. Basin-wide, those 14 counties were at over 40% of all of the cropland acres are enrolled in one form or another in H2 Ohio. Wow. So um, we were, you know, just ecstatic, first of all, but blown away. But then, then once we got that sign-up numbers, so we got to, we got to, get moving because this is going to take a lot of work to get this all done yeah clark i think you kind of spoke about a segue we could use is how do you <clears throat> how do we measure h2 ohio's success and is that just something that's going to be a longer period of time where we're looking at this are we soil sampling i mean how do we where do we yeah. see it well ultimately there's there's lots of measures of success the first measure of success in especially in a voluntary program is adoption as, as Bob mentioned, you know, we probably cannot continue to pay producers cost share, you know, assistance indefinitely. Um, so the real goal of this program is to educate them to where they see that they can they can produce the yields they need to remain profitable using less nutrients. We can measure we'll also measure the total amount of nutrients that are produced or, or purchased and brought into the watershed. So we will see if we see a total reduction of phosphorus that's being applied. That's a major success. A better water quality in Lake Erie. That's probably our our number one goal because that's the one that makes this the local news, the state news, and the national news when we have a, a situation in Lake Erie. So none of those are that's especially that's going to be the hardest because it's not going to happen overnight. Um, we have started this program. We started some practices last fall, but ultimately we're not going to have an entire first year of practice implementation until next spring. So that's just our first year is going to go all the way through next spring. So uh, hopefully folks are patient with us to understand that, you know, in agriculture, we're in it for the long game. It may take years. It didn't, the, the, the phosphorus levels did not build up in our soils, you know, in a year or two. This, this has been going on for 40 or 50 years. So it's not going to go down. So soil test levels will be an indicator long term as we see if we're drawing those soil test levels down, especially in fields where we're really high. And, and that's one of the things we decided with H2 Ohio. 
we, we're using information from our federal partners, the, the 590 standards, which is the, the nutrient standard for the USDA and RCS. Uh, we're also using what we call the tri-state fertilizer recommendations, which is um, a, a combination of Ohio State University, Purdue University, and Michigan State. Uh, what they have determined are the, the nutrient needs. And we have decided that if, if you're above a certain level, and that level for, for, for phosphorus is 50 parts per million under one testing scheme, we're not going to pay you to put any more phosphorus on. You're not going those acres are not going to be eligible for any additional applications. So long term, we hope that will help us draw down those nutrient levels. But yeah, there's lots of ways we're going to measure this. Uh, some of them could be fairly quick over the next year or two. Others may take several years before we can determine whether they work. And I'd invite Bob to to chime in on that if he'd like. Yeah, Bob, I'd love to hear hear what you have to say. Ditto what Clark just said, and I and I think the people that um, in Columbus need to realize, and not only Columbus, but, and, and I'm not sure if we can, uh, the, the uh, people, you know, there's groups out there that, that want to see this. <clears throat> They've been big pushers of this. They're, they're very conservation minded, very concerned about the lake. Um, but they've got to realize, like Clark said, this did not happen overnight. And it, and it's, and you know, I've always said I can dirty my house a lot quicker than I can clean it up. Um, you know, so, and I think it's the same situation here. And that's why I think, you know, and we can't continue to cost share on these things for years. Education is so key to make sure these guys grab a hold of these practices and um, and how they operate their farms and, and uh, take it to heart that, yeah, this is how we need to do things now to clean up the lake and so forth and so on and, and it's also and it's got and we also got to remember it's got to be economic it's got to be an economic uh, advantage or economically uh plus for them to do this I mean, that's all i've been a long long time like i said when you talk about economics that that drives things but but it's a different time too with the lake situation absolutely well you know I could sit here and talk H2 Ohio all day. I think all of us can. <laughs> it's a lot to talk about. Um, thank you guys so much for being here with us today. Clark and Bob, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank, thank you for the opportunity. All right. And since we have so much to talk about, Megs, this isn't our only H2 Ohio podcast, is it? It is not. I think, Katie, we have one next week. Yes, we're going round next two on H2 week. Ohio. Round two. So tune in. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, everybody, for listening in on this important topic. So important. We have a second podcast for you. Um, we'll be recording and posting next week. Thanks All so much. Right. And we will see you then. Bye-bye, everyone. Cultivating Convos is created by ODA's communications team. Make sure to hit subscribe to get the latest episodes in your feed and like ODA on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for up-to-date news about agriculture in Ohio.